Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. We're going to read in the book of Exodus two chapters, five chapters apart. We're going to read Exodus 6 and 1. And I'm reading Exodus Exodus, Exodus 6 first because I want to give you some backstory, and then we'll go to Exodus 1. It's the same story, just in two different parts, okay? Exodus 6, 20. Amran married his father's sister. Yes, that's his aunt. Don't ask questions. It's weird. I know. Joshebed. Somebody say Joshebed. Why don't we just call her Joe for short? Is that all right? Anybody going to be mad at me that I'm changing the Bible? Is that okay? Just call her Joe for short. Joe, who bore him Aaron and Moses. And we'll go to Exodus 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh said this to order all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile River. But let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi, a Levi woman named Joe, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds of the Nile River. And then child services came for her. It's not in in your Bible. It's not in my Bible either. Uh, Then his sister Miriam stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of those Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, who was watching... Asked Pharaoh's daughters from a distance, hey, I noticed you found that baby. Do you want me to go get one of the Hebrew women so they can nurse him for you? She said, that's a good idea. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, Joe. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son, And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I want to talk about this woman named Joe today. You don't know a lot about her, and by all accounts, she's just a normal, average person. And this message is for anybody, I just want to say this, this message is for anybody who feels normal and average. Anybody who feels like you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, and you're thinking, man, what have I done with my life? I haven't accomplished a lot. I look at other people, and they're going further. I look at other people, and they're doing so much. And I look at me, and and some of you are probably thinking, hey, you didn't mention your 20s. That's because you're in your 20s. Chill, okay? I hate when people are in their 20s, and they're like, I haven't done anything with my life. It's like, you're in your 20s. Shut up. Okay, you'll be okay. Stop crying. Um. But you're, 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 you're getting up there in age and you're looking back maybe and you're thinking, or maybe you're in your 20s and you're thinking, I should have done so much more with my life. This is for you, okay? I want you to know that there is no such thing as average and you're way more special than you think you are. I want you to tell three people the title of my message before you sit down. Tell them, not 
your average Joe. Tell him, I'm not your average Joe. I'm not your average Joe. And then you can have a seat. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you, worship team. Go ahead and have a seat. I'm not your average Joe. Yeah. You know, when Hurricane Matthew hit my house, when it hit Central Florida, not just my house, I'm glad because it didn't do as much damage as I thought that it would do. How many people were kind of, I hate to say it this way, but kind of underimpressed with Hurricane Matthew, right? Yeah, me too. And uh, although nothing really, you know, crazily damaged my house, I do have a lot of trees around my house. If you've ever seen my house, um, if I've invited you, if you see my house and I haven't invited you, stop stalking me. But uh, I have a lot of trees in my house. And when the hurricane hit the trees in front of my house, that was bad. Branches started to fall, leaves started to fall. My house looked like a wreck. And so on Monday morning after the hurricane, my family and I decided to go out and clean up the yard. And we decided to recruit our children, four and three, to clean with us. Because that's why you have kids, okay? Let's be honest, okay? It's the, uh, the tax breaks and home chores. That's why, you have, that's why you have children, all right? And so we got them, and I gave the boys a very important job. I told the boys, here's what I want you to do. Because they're small, you know, so they can't lift up heavy things. I said, hey, buddy, uh, guys, I want you to pick up the branches, Okay, the wooden branches, when you pick up the branches, and once you put it in the pile. And everybody was having a fun time. You know, we made a game of it, whoever could put the most branches in. Um, and they were having a good time until they saw Liz, my wife. Because Liz comes out, and she messed it all up. She messed it all up because she comes outside with the rake. The big, long, green rake. And to a four-year-old, that is not garden equipment, okay? That is a lightsaber, all right? And so they stopped what they were doing, and they were fighting with my wife for the rake. Not just because they thought it was cool. They actually wanted to help. And they looked at the rake, and they saw the rake as big as it was, as fancy as it was, and they said, that looks like it's more important than what I'm doing. And when I told them they couldn't have the rake, they started crying, and they started complaining. But what they didn't know was that I didn't even need Liz to rake. I don't know why she was raking in the first place. Because we have a neighbor who has a tractor. And his tractor goes up all over all the leaves, and it cuts the grass, and it sucks up the leaves. The only thing it can't pick up is branches. Why do I bring that up? Because my sons were crying because they felt insignificant. My sons were crying because they felt that their father had given them a task that was unimportant, but because they didn't have the maturity to see the whole picture, they didn't know that what looked unimportant was actually the most important job of them all. It reminded me of something when I was going through, uh, I was doing some, uh, I had a box of keepsakes in my house that I was going through, and I found this. This is PS69, class of 1997. This is my elementary school yearbook, y'all. This is literally 20 years old, okay? Does anybody want to see what I look like in the fifth grade? You're not going to see it. It's too bad. Go ahead. I brought the picture just because. Go ahead. Just, it's me in the fifth grade. Oh. Me with my best friend, Todd. Sitting to the right there. Um, I don't even know who Todd is. No, the crazy thing is I can still remember his last name, Todd Vilkoff. Todd Vilkov, if you're listening to this podcast, what's up, bro? Long time no see. I was, uh, 
I was going through this, and I found that they made us do an assignment. And we all had to do it as a student. Okay, you can take the picture down. Um, we all had to do this assignment, and, uh, and it, was, it was called In My Crystal Ball I See. Yeah, and you had, to, you had to finish it with a rhyme about your future. In My Crystal Ball I See, which at first I was like, why are they teaching us witchcraft in the fifth grade? But then after that, I actually read it, and it was pretty cool. I started reading some of them. and said, In My Crystal Ball I See, this is one of my favorites some girl wrote, In My Crystal Ball I See, me singing like Mariah Carey. That's <laughs> what she wrote. Someone else wrote, in my crystal ball I see me collecting a doctor's fee. That's good. This one said, in my crystal ball I see a store full of comics drawn by me. That's good. Uh, mine was, uh, in my crystal ball I see me hitting a ball over Kentucky. I don't know. <laughs> my songwriting skills, Gabe. I want to be a part of the next songwriting session. I can rhyme. Um, I loved baseball. I didn't know where Kentucky was. I just wanted to. But you know what I didn't find as much as I looked? I was looking for it page after page, but I couldn't find it. In my crystal ball, I see me flipping burgers at Mickey D's. Couldn't find it. I, I, I looked some more. I couldn't find it. In my crystal ball, I see me selling shoes at JCPenney's. I couldn't find it. I looked. And you know why? Because those jobs are not deemed as important jobs, as significant jobs. And deep on the inside, each one of us wants to do something significant. And I want to acknowledge that, and I also want to praise that, because that, that, that desire for importance and significance, just so you know, comes from God. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before you were in the womb, I knew you, I formed you, and I set you apart to change all the nations. There's greatness inside of every uh, single uh, one of us, despite what you may feel. And so if that's you today, listen, if you feel like, you know what, and when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, but I'm not an astronaut. I sell insurance. Or, when, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be president, but I'm not a president. You know, and now, now I, uh, you know, I, I'm a janitor. Maybe you're, you're, you're grown up. Isn't that scary? I'm talking to all the college graduates that we have here at church, and I'm like, hey, you know, like in a year, you're an adult, like, I mean, you were an adult at 18 technically, but now you're like a grown-up. And what happens when you're a grown-up, listen, and what you're doing is not what you always imagined your life would be like or what you would always do with your life. If that's you and you feel like you haven't accomplished much, I want to introduce you to Joe. Yeah. I love the story of Joe because she's someone in the Bible who you would not think was very significant, right? Nobody talks about Joe. Nobody tells Bible stories to their kids about Joe. Why? Because Joe didn't slay a giant, and Joe didn't step out of the fire, and Joe didn't come back to life uh, for anybody's uh, sins. Joe might not be that important, but her son, whoo, her son, Moses, everybody knows Moses, right? Moses is super important. I mean, I mean, Moses got like three movies. Exodus, Ten Commandments, my personal favorite. Prince of Egypt, I will get there, right? <laughs> I will get there. Boys to men, you know what I'm talking about. It's good. It's my favorite. You know, everybody knows Moses, man. You know that, that, that Moses literally has 800 verses in the Bible that say his name. Joe just has eight verses in the Bible that even reference her. Two that only mention her name. Yeah, Moses wrote Five books of the 66 books that are in the Bible. Joe, her name is only in two of the books, and her son wrote those books. I don't even really count. He was just giving props to his mom. Love you, Joe. Right? Moses led a million people out of one nation to another. Joe had a family of four. 
When you compare the two, it should be a no-brainer. One is not as important as the other until you realize that nothing Moses did would have been possible if it wasn't for Joe. And not only that, but here's the kicker. Joe never knew just how important she was. Because you might think maybe like a proud mom, Moses comes back, let my people go. And Joe is in the back like, that's my baby. That's my baby. That's right. You go ahead, Moses. Uh-huh. Call that fire down, baby. Do it. Do it. Uh-huh. That's my baby. That's my baby. You might have thought that maybe, you know, Moses was, Joe was proud of Moses, that she had an opportunity to see all that. But what you don't know is that by the time Moses gets back to Egypt, he's 80 years old. His mom is long gone by then. What am I trying to say? She went through, she, she seems like an average person, and she didn't even get to learn her full, full significance to the Bible story until she gets to heaven. When she gets there, then all these people start coming up to her. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for putting that baby in that river. If you had it, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have this Bible. We wouldn't have these Ten Commandments. We wouldn't have all these good things if you hadn't done what you'd done. What am I trying to tell you? Listen, I want you to know today. Here's what I want you to leave today. I don't want you to leave convinced uh, uh, to add. I want, to leave, I want you to leave here today me adding significance to your life. I want you to leave here to realize the significance you already have. You have no idea the impact that you're having on people. Just because you're not famous, just because you don't have a million followers on, on, on social media, just because you're not a millionaire or you're, you don't have, you know, letters before your name like Rev, Dr., MD, JD, doesn't mean wait till you get to heaven and you meet all the people who say, man, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for, for talking to me about Jesus. Thank you for being my friend because I am here because of what you did in my life. You are way more significant then you think, if that's you today, God sent me here for a message. Listen, you are not average. In fact, there is no such thing as average. I wish you could see it and I wish you could know it. There is an importance to your life you will never see until you get to heaven and you see all the people. And, and, and so I want to encourage you today, not just to look back on your past and give new meaning to your past, but I want to encourage you today so that you can engage more in your future. Because if you understand that you can have significance in the everyday activities of life, you don't look at the everyday activities of life the same way. You know what I'm saying? If you understand that in your everyday ho-hum kind of living, that there's change in that, that there's power in that, you don't look at that the same way. So we got to get rid of our excuses and understand that we're not average because we do have excuses. How many people know that? Sometimes we set up excuses when it comes to making a difference in people's lives. You know, like I said, we don't have a million followers on Facebook and, you know, we're, our last name isn't Kardashian and there aren't people that are looking to us to set trends and oftentimes we think if we had all that, you know, then we could change someone's life. And, and I just want to tell you, that's not true. Take Joe, for example. Let's take Joe and Pharaoh, okay? Joe and Pharaoh. Let's go back to the verse, Exodus 1.22, if we can. Exodus 1.22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Next verse. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman named Joe. Here's what I want you to understand. Pharaoh was an important person. I mean, a king, a god to some people, a well-educated leader of the armies. Uh, this is an important moment in history. But when God chooses to retell the story, let me ask you a question. What's Moses' mom's name again? Yeah, that's not a trick question. What's Moses' mom's name again? Joe. Yeah. Here's another question. What's Pharaoh's name again? No. 
that was a trick question, that one. I got, you, <laughs> got your confidence up, and I'm going to bring you down right now, okay? <laughs> no, because Pharaoh's not a name. Pharaoh's a title. These pharaohs had names, like Amenhotep, King Tut, uh, Cleopatra. These pharaohs had names. That's like me saying, uh, what, was the president, what was the president's name that decided to drop the atomic bomb in World War II? President. No, no, but president who? Just president. Name's not important, just president. Why is that important? Because when God taught, when God chose to recount one of the most important stories in all of history, listen, Pharaoh doesn't even get his name, but the stay-at-home mom gets the shout-out, which leads me to believe this. You don't have to have a platform to have a purpose. You don't need to have a platform to have a purpose. When Moses delivered the millions of people, millions of people saw him. When Pharaoh said no, millions of people saw him. Nobody saw little Joe put her baby in the basket and put her in the river, but God saw it and it mattered. Just because nobody sees what you're doing doesn't mean that what you're doing doesn't matter. What you're doing matters, and what you're doing makes a difference. I'm telling you, I remember one time I was, uh, I, was, I was swimming in a lake, and we were with some friends. It was me, a guy, and a girl, and the girl was pretty. And um, sorry, babe, this was before Liz. And it was, it was pretty, and we were trying to impress the girl. And, uh, and, and, the, and it was an island. This girl's like a professional athlete. She looks at us guys, and she's like, hey, you want to swim to the island? Anybody ever try to swim to the island in the middle of the... How many people know it's always way more farther than you think? So I jump in the water, and I'm like, yeah, and I start, you know, I start stroking. I'm like, how's it going? You know, and I get there. I'm about halfway, and I can't anymore. I just can't. When I mean I'm so serious that I can't, I prayed the prayer of salvation. You know, like right before you think you're going to die, I swear to you, I'm in the middle of the lake, and I go, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And then I take a breath, which is what I believe is going to be my last breath, and I go, and I'm ready to go to the bottom. I go, and I'm about to go down, and then this boat comes out of nowhere. Glory, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> Off the side of me, and he's like, hey! <laughs> and I'm like, hey! He's like, do you need some help, son? I'm like, yeah! Boat comes, pick me up. Girl's waiting at the island. I'm in the boat. <laughs> Fail, you know. I go home, I tell my dad the story, true story. You're not going to believe this. Okay, it's weird. I don't care. It's true. I go home, I tell my dad, I go, Dad, you'll never believe what happened. I was in the lake, blah, blah, I was drowning, and this boat came out of nowhere. There was, I didn't see any boat at the time. He goes, what time was this? I go, well, it was about this time. He goes, what day? I was about this day. He goes, Jay, I kid you not. He goes, at that time, God put it on my heart. I got on my knees in my room. Nobody was home, and I started to pray for you. Nobody was there to clap. Nobody was there to say amen. But what he did, his prayer for me literally saved my life. The moment you think your life doesn't have an impact, raise your hand if you've ever prayed for somebody. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed for somebody. Then you should never, ever feel insignificant or unimportant. You have no idea the extent of your prayer. You have no idea the lives that you've changed, the people that you've impacted, the destinies that you've shifted. Just by getting on your knees and saying, God, protect my son, protect my daughter, protect my friend, guard them, give them hope. When we pray for you before the service, we believe that that's actually shifting things in the heavens and on earth. You are significant and you are important. And not just your prayers, but your actions too. I'm so grateful for the setup team. Make some noise if you're on our Journey Church setup team. Come on. You get, you get here at 7 a.m. I love those guys. They're, they're cheering. You know why? Because they don't get ever credit, ever. 
They get up here at 7. Every sign you see on the street, they put it up. Every light you see, projector, every instrument, they set it up. Nobody ever says thank you. Nobody ever sees them. But all of this that happens is because of them. And here's what I understand. A lot of our deeds in life are hidden. But just because they're hidden doesn't mean that they don't matter. You got to understand that sometimes in the hidden is where God does some of his greatest work. Just because your work is hidden, again, doesn't mean it doesn't matter. We don't like hidden deeds, though, do we? No. We, we want the big deeds, right? We want the things that everybody can see and be impressed with and you get banners for and trophies and ribbons and people, yeah, good job. That's what we want. I call it fruit. We want fruit deeds. Everybody wants fruit. Fruit is delicious. Fruit is colorful. Fruit is sexy. We want fruit deeds. But you know what I've learned? In order to get fruit, you need seeds. And sometimes we have to understand that our deeds are not fruit. Our deeds are seeds. And here's something I know about seeds. Seeds are small. Seeds are tasteless. But seeds reach their full potential when they get buried underground and they're hidden. And God does all the work where you can't see it. Just because your deed isn't sexy doesn't mean it doesn't have potential. Be okay with the fact that most of your deeds are hidden. It's like when you, when, you, when you leave the house and you get your little girl before you leave and you say, baby, you're beautiful. Nobody sees that. But what you're doing to her self-esteem when she grows up, astronomical. When you leave Publix and you put the grocery cart back, and the little thing like it's supposed to be instead of leaving it out like an animal. What's wrong with you? Somebody could be having a bad day, and they get there, and they see that cart, and they say, thank you. I want to put that cart back. It's a hidden deed. Like when you're going through the drive-thru, and you're about to pay a toll, and you say, hey, get the next car behind me. Nobody ever sees it, but those hidden deeds are seeds that have full potential. God does good things when you're hidden. Joe was hidden. Moses was hidden in a basket that was hidden in the reeds. David, the king of Israel, the one who knocked down Goliath, was hidden. When Samuel came to anoint the next king, David wasn't even there. He was in the sheep. His father had hid him. King Josiah was eight years old when he became king of Israel. You know why he was eight? Because when he was two, some people broke into the palace and tried to kill him. But his nurse grabbed him, hid him in the temple for six years until the time was right and his life gave fruit. Jesus was born in a manger, hidden behind a cow and some cattle. And then when he came back to life, hidden in the grave for three days. Don't complain that you're hidden. Hidden does not mean there is an absence of a plan. Hidden is a part of the plan. Here, listen, I could shut it down right now with this next phrase that God gave me because this is for somebody. I want you to look at the screen and I want you to let these words sink inside your heart. Do not, put it up, I want you to catch this. Next slide. Do not judge how much greatness is in you by how many eyes are on you. Did you hear that? That's for somebody. Nobody's looking at me, and nobody sees what I'm doing, and nobody's, it's a great picture, and they got 10 likes. And I got here at 7 a.m., or I'm in the back doing kids' ministry, and a little baby just vomited on me. I want to be up there preaching. The pastor and, and singing songs, oh, oh, do not judge how much greatness is in you by how many eyes are on you. There is greatness in you. You don't need a platform. You know what else I learned? I told you I was a baseball player. I was really good, actually, in the fifth grade. I was good. I was an all-star. There's a picture of me, all-star hat. I made the all-star fifth grade. I was awesome. They would put me up every position I would play. I was a five-tool 
baseball player in the fifth grade until I made it to high school. I want to say that I was benched, but guys, I didn't even make the team. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't make the team. I pulled out my fifth grade picture. I was like, in my crystal ball, I see me hitting a ball over Kentucky. Put me, on, put me in, coach. Didn't even make the team. I was so depressed because in my mind, if you were an athlete, if you weren't a rock star, if you weren't a movie star, you weren't important, and God couldn't do anything significant in your life until I learned you don't have to be gifted to be destined. You don't have to be gifted to be destined. Oh, man, last week was awesome. We did our step three of next steps. You guys got to come to these, by the way, if you want to get involved in the church. And, and next steps is this, is this where we, we discover you. It's a class that discovers your gifts and your purposes. And we were doing this spiritual gifts test, and I, and I was hanging out with one of, one of our guys who's here today. I asked him for permission before to share this story because it's so funny and it's awesome. We did this spiritual gift test. You answer like 70 questions, and then it gives you your gifts. And so we go around the table, and it's his turn. And uh, this person's got a gift of apostle. This person's got the gift of knowledge, and he gets over to this guy, and he's like, looks a little sad. I'm like, man, what's, what's wrong? He's like, I don't like my gifts. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like your gifts? He goes, I got the gifts of craftsmen. I'm like, and what's wrong with that? He said, so I screwed his hands. He goes, I wanted healing. He goes, I, I wanted profit. I, says, I don't want to be a craftsman. Here's the thing. Let me just say this. When I say you don't have to be gifted to be destined, here's what I don't mean, that you don't have a gift. Let me just say, in case you're wondering, everybody in this room has a gift. You either haven't discovered it yet or more likely you haven't appreciated it yet. My kids get into fights over toys all the time, Justice and Zane. And, um, and it always plays out the same way. They'll each pick a toy and then, well, this just happened the other day. Justice picks out Spider-Man. Zane picks out Batman. Mind you, they picked the toy. I didn't give it to them. They picked it. They're having a blast, enjoying it, until one of the kids gets in what I call the zone. Have you ever seen a kid get in the zone with his toys? Like, it's not even a game anymore. Like, it's a novel. Like, Lord of the Rings just unfolded in my kitchen. Like, there's a backstory. There's environments. There's make-believe castles. Bible is going in. Somehow, somehow David and Goliath are there with, 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 with Spider-Man. It's insane. And so Justice gets in the zone. And he's like, and, and then Zane has just got his Batman. Mind you, Zane picked Batman. Justice picked uh, Spider-Man. I didn't give it to him. They picked it. Zane starts looking at Justice, and he's like, I want Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man. I want Batman. I hate Batman. And he starts to cry. And listen, I want you to understand, he's not crying because he has a toy and his brother doesn't. He's not crying because his toy is better than the other boy's toy. He's crying. Listen, one boy is crying and one boy isn't because one boy chose to make the most of the toy he had while the other boy chose to compare the toy he had. Too often, we compare our gifts to other people's gifts, and we compare our lives to other people's lives instead of just making the most with the gift and life we have. If we would just make the most with the gift and life we have, you would be so happy. 
It's a toy just like anybody else's toy. The question is not what's in your hand. It's what are you going to do with what's in your hand? You are gifted. Make the most of it. Enjoy it. Blow it up. Get in the zone with what God made for you. Man, and I dare you. I dare you to find a place in Journey Church where you can get connected. We have a team for you. By the way, step four is dream team today. So you actually get to meet the teams. If you want to find a place, go to step four in the, in the back of the, in the courtyard right there in the cafeteria. We're going to have a class. You're going to meet all of our team leaders. We've got a, a, a drama team. Uh, no, we don't. We have a design team. <laughs> We're not any dramas. I meant to say design. Uh, we have a design team. We've got worship. We've got uh, guest services, host, ushers. Uh, we even have parking. When I say parking, everybody's always like, oh, parking. That's where you put the ungifted people at. I mean, you got to be gifted to sing. Hallelujah. You got to be gifted to preach the gospel, but parking? Pff, you don't have to be gifted to do parking. Yeah, but first off, I don't know what you mean by gifted. Because actually to do that, you actually have to really love people, um, which if you've ever not liked people is a gift, okay, number one. Um, to love people, you have to have the gift of patience, okay, to be out there while you're honking the horn at these people. Like if they're uh, traffic cones, they're not, they're alive. Don't run them over, please, okay? Um, but also, just because they don't fit your definition of gifted doesn't mean that they're not destined. You should just meet Patrick and Jenny Shackleford. I love their story. They've been here since the beginning of church. I say that like it's been a while. <laughs> oh, is it? Back way when, five weeks ago, when we... I remember the days. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick and Jenny came, and they had been searching for a church for over, uh, over a year, almost two years in Orlando, searching for a church. And I love their story. They said, we knew this was our church. Listen, not because of the preaching and not because of the worship. You hear that, guys? As great as you sang, you didn't do it. You hear that? As amazing and life-changing my word is, God's word, it's preaching that I'm doing right now. No. Jenny told her small group, of women last week, he said, when we got out the car and the guy who parked us actually started having a conversation with us, I knew before I made it onto this, into this room that this was going to be our church. You tell somebody, parking, where you at? Make some noise if you're in the parking team. There you go. One guy because the rest of them are parking. All right. Because they're awesome. Listen, I want you to know, you might be able to tell that person in parking you're not gifted, but I dare you to tell them that they're not destined. Because they just had an eternal, an eternity-shaping impact on a family's life. You don't have to be gifted to be destined. If, 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 I, if I can't live like that, let me just tell you, as a preacher, I can't live like that. I'd be so depressed. Because I know I'm not the greatest preacher out there. Sometimes I hear the preachers out there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I need to do something else with my life. <laughs> Those guys are great. Those guys are amazing. And you know what I've decided? I'm not going to compare my gift to their gift. I'm just going to make the most of the gift that I have. I'm like the guy in the story of the talents who got two talents. You ever heard that story in the Bible? We're a church, by the way, for people who don't go to church. So every time I share a Bible story, you, know, you might be like, oh, I heard that when I was a kid. This church, is, this church is for your friend who didn't, okay? And so there's a story in the Bible. Jesus is talking, and Jesus is, is telling the story, and he's, and he's saying, hey, it was like these three servants. God gave them talents. Talent was a measurement of money. But just for the sake of this message, just imagine that a talent was actually a talent, like preaching or singing. He said, uh, to one servant, he gave him five talents. And to the other servant, he gave him three, two talents. And to the other servant, he gave him one talent. And the servant with the five talents went out and made ten. And the servant with the two talents went out and made four. And the servant with the one talent didn't do anything. He just buried it because he was afraid of losing 
it. He didn't use it. And God got upset at him. He said, you should have done something with it. I'm like the guy with the two talents. I didn't complain that I didn't get five. I wasn't upset at the guy of five when God gave him five. There are pastors out here in Orlando. There are preachers all over the world, churches that are, whatever. They have five talents. And I go, wow, I'm not going to sit here and complain, God, you should have given me five talents. Why didn't you give me five talents? You love them more? Well, I don't understand. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at the two that I have, and I'm going to make the most of the two that I have. I'm not going to complain at the guy with the five, and I'm not going to bury it or hide it like the guy with the one. I'm just going to make the most of the two that I have. You might not have five talents, and you might not be an amazing singer, but there's something inside of you, a purpose, a destiny. And if you would just embrace it and make the most of it, God can do amazing things in your life. Doesn't matter what you have. Speaking of what you don't have, you know what else we don't have a lot of? But we often use it as a measurement of whether or not we can be successful or significant in life. Not just gifts, not just platform, but here, here, this one's good. In, our, in the hecticness of our life, right, we got work, we got schoolwork, some of us are moms and dads. On top of that, we got church and we got all our other responsibilities and our hobbies. Maybe you go to the gym, maybe you work out, you know, I don't know, with your TV, that's important. You got to watch that, got to get through season one. I mean, God forbid you, uh, God forbid you watch TV like a normal person. I mean, just go ahead and watch three seasons of an episode that has 28 episodes. I'm just confessing, okay? It's just me. It's just God, forgive me, heal me, and, and, and destroy my Hulu subscription. Please, Lord, just thank you. Uh, you know what else we don't have a lot of that we often use as a measurement? Time. I don't have the time to make a difference. I don't have the time to have an impact. But I want you to hear this today as we close. You don't need time to make the most of a moment. You don't need time to make the most of your moment. I look at the Bible and I'm reading. Uh, we we'll look at this verse, Exodus chapter 2. Can we get there? Exodus chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. Job became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. You see, when you read a verse that fast, you miss the backstory. But there's things going on in that story that you got to catch. There's a sense of urgency. For example, she could have hid him longer if she could have, right? She would have hit him longer if she could have. It said, when she could not hide him no longer. That means that there were probably guards, Egyptian guards, that were going from house to house, knocking on doors. And that must mean that at three months old, the baby started to cry. And you might say, well, JJ, now you're making some assumptions. The Bible doesn't say that the baby was crying. But it actually does say it because when Pharaoh's daughter found him in the reeds, the only reason she found him in the reeds was because he was crying. And so he's crying hysterically, and, and Joe can hear the guards knocking on the doors. Is there a baby in there? Is there a baby in there? And they're at her neighbor's house, and now she hears the knocking. And you know what? She's running out of time. She doesn't have time. But you know what? She didn't need it because she made the most of a moment. I, could, I don't know how she did it. Inspiration, Holy Spirit. She must have been in the kitchen. Oh, my God, they're going to take my baby. They're going to take my baby. And she saw a basket. And then she looked down when she saw some tar. She was like. And now your Bible is written. Because a woman who was running out of time made the most of her moment. Man, when I tell people they can make a difference, they're like, man, maybe if I was a full-time minister. Maybe if I was full-time employed in the Salvation Army. 
Maybe if I was a full-time employee. But hey, you don't need time to make the most of a moment. Stop complaining that you don't have time and start looking for the moments in your life that God can use. What is a moment? I don't know, a moment at the restaurant, a moment on the bus, a moment at the gym where you see somebody. I've been praying. This has been my prayer lately, guys. God, help me not to check out on Christ. Help me to be a Christian outside of church as well. And this is why I've been praying, God, give me moments so that I can impact someone's life. You know what I've been doing lately? I've been smiling a lot. Like when it's weird. You know why? Just to get someone's attention so I can have an opportunity for a moment. I swear. I go to the gym now. I've been going to the gym for a while. Why you laugh? That's messed up. That hurts my feelings. Uh, I've been going to the gym, guys, and, and, every, and I move a weight, and I swear to you, this is how I walk in the gym. You using that? Okay. Hey, you need a spot? I spot you need a spot? I'm just waiting for somebody to say, hey, thanks, man. You look happy. Are you smiling all the time? I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I don't have a lot of time. You think you're in full-time ministry. Yeah, but between all the meetings and the sermon prep and the travel and the fundraising and all that, you'll be surprised how much little time I have. So I'm praying, God, help me make the most of a moment. Give me a moment where a complete stranger asks for me so I can go up to him and tell him about the love of Christ that's in my heart. Give me a moment. I want you to know that there are moments all around you if you would just see. I love this scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. Can we throw it up? I love this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ just to do good works. Look at this. Which God prepared in advance to us for us to do. There are two truths in this passage, and you need to catch them both. Truth number one, you were created on purpose for a purpose. So, right? You have a purpose and you have a destiny. But don't miss the second half. Put that up again. Don't push the second half because the second half is the most important half. Which God prepared for us to do in advance. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Hear this. Not only were you designed for your environment, but your environment was designed for you. What? Oh, yeah. That means that people have been placed strategically in your life. That means that job you have that you hate, it's there for a reason. It was designed by God before, the, before time began because they said, listen, I, don't, I didn't just make you for your job. I made your job for you. All those coworkers you have, that family you have, that annoying neighbor who's upset at you because you play music too loud in your apartment, he's there for you. He's there for you. Why? So that you stop blasting your reggaeton or your, your and start and start blasting your, your Jesus, I need you. Then he'll come over and be like, lower the music. And you'll be like, okay, I just love Jesus a lot. Sorry. Come to Journey Church with me. And I'll never play music loud again. I don't know. I want you to know, listen, all of this that we did today, this entire message, you're not your average Joe. It's not just to give significance to the things that you've already done, but to engage you with the future that you've yet to do. 
I wish that you would just look at your future differently today. When you leave this place, I want you to look at your future. Look at your environment. Look at your family. Look at your work. Look at your school. Look at your class. Look at your home. And I want you to start putting on moment goggles. Just like, oh yeah. I'm not gifted. But I'm destined. I got no platform. But I got a purpose. I ain't even got time, but there was a moment hidden somewhere in here for me, and I want to find it and make the most of it. You matter. Do you hear me? You matter. And what you do matters. You're not just an anybody, you're a somebody. You are not, I repeat, you are not average. For God, there is no, there is no such thing. It does not exist in his vocabulary. To say average is to say that there are others like you. But newsflash, there's only one you. And that environment that you live in was built for that one you. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to close. Would you mind standing with me? I want to conclude with this. I want to conclude with this. I want to I share with you Joe. Really quickly, Joshebed's name. I, I know it doesn't look important or seem important to you, Joshebed, Joshebed, whatever. But can I just share something with you about, about her life? It blew my mind when I found this. Don't show the slide yet, but do you know what Joshebed's name means? Can I share it with you? Don't, don't show it yet. There's two parts of it. There's Joe and there's Shebed. Or in Hebrew, you'd actually say Kabad. Joe and Kabad. The Joe comes from Jehovah. She's actually the first person in the Bible whose name ever contained Jehovah. We get them afterwards. Jehovah-Chin, Jehovah-Haz, and, and all these Josiah, and all these guys. We get that in the future. Jesus, God saves, Jehovah in there. We, 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 get, we, we get the Jehovah the first time. So half her name is, is God. The other half, though, is what's so important. It blew my mind. I hope you get this. Please get this, because we're all Joe. Get this. Kabad means honor. When you put her name together, it means I get my honor from God. But you got to understand what the word honor means. It comes from the Ten Commandments. You know when the Bible says honor your father and your mother? Okay, every parent knows what that means. It means pay attention. Okay, so if you're, if you're, if you're a parent here and your kids are having, just whip out the Ten Commandments on them, all right? Smack them with your Bible. Honor your father. Don't do that. It's abuse. Honor your father and your mother. It means pay attention to your mom and dad. Why is that so important? Because then when you take that definition and you attach it to Joe, the woman who nobody saw, the woman who nobody clapped for, the woman who died thinking that her life meant nothing because there was never a book in the Bible written about her. There was never verses in the Bible written about her. No one sang songs about her. No one will ever tell stories to their kids about her. When you look at that woman who looks like a nobody, who life amounted to nothing, and you put the words of her name together. It doesn't mean, this is what it means. It means God is paying attention. Put it up. God, Joe Kabad, Jehovah Shabbat. Nobody sees me, but that's cool. Because God, he's paying attention. Woo! I, I, I'll never do anything of significance. I, I'll probably never be a doctor, and I'll probably never be a lawyer, and I'll probably never pass a thousand followers on my social media accounts. But God is paying 
attention. I might never make make more than than, than, six figures a a year, but but God is paying attention. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know if I'll ever start a nation or or, or join join government or what if I don't have a legacy and nobody remembers me like they forget Hoshebed or Josebed. What if they forget me when I die? I want a statue. I want people to tell stories about me. Yeah, but even if they don't, even if they don't, I got good news. God is paying attention. He sees you when nobody sees you. And he loves you when nobody loves you. You've got his eyes on you. He's focused on you in the mundane, in the everyday, in the average. On Monday, when you go back to work, God is paying attention. On Wednesday, when you clock in to your everyday job, God is paying attention. When you change that diaper after diaper after diaper, and you wonder if anybody will ever care, God is paying attention. At night, when you're on your knees, praying for your city, praying for your husband, praying for your children, and nobody's there to amen and glory to God, I want you to know that God is paying attention. He sees you. He sees you, and you are not alone. Remember God. Remember love. Remember mercy. Remember Christ before me, Christ behind me. I'm not alone. He's with me. I'm not alone. He's with me. He sees me. He is my Savior, my King. My life has purpose. My life has destiny. I'm going to make the most of my moment. I'm a somebody. I'm not average. He sees me. He's paying attention. I'm somebody. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.